This is the Ecom Dudes Podcast, the world's best e-commerce podcast for those looking to start and scale an e-commerce company in record-breaking time. This is your host, Dan DeSilva. Dan DeSilva. All right, Ecom Dudes fam. Now listen up very closely. This is going to be a little bit different of a podcast. Um, I'm going to be doing what's working now in a five-round split. So think about it like uh, like we're boxing right now, okay? So yeah, um, I'd probably beat you. Unless, like, you're a pro. But um, regardless of that, um, <laughs> what I'm going to be telling you is you're going to be learning about what's working now when it comes down to the dropshipping world. Now, it's going to be a pretty fun and rapid podcast here. It's the first time I'm doing something like this, but I figured I want to create stuff that's bite-sized and, you know, not, not an hour long. So I want to just give you the information that's working right now without too much fluff. So without any further ado... Let's hop right into it. So number one, we're going to open up with what's working right now with branding and one product stores. Now, obviously, everybody's been talking about this. Everybody's been saying one product stores, one product stores, one product stores. I think, I think uh, t- to be fair, um, it became really popular when Gabriel St. Germain started doing his YouTube and everyone's like, oh, one product stores is a thing now. And, you know, one product stores have been around for years, years and years and years. As a matter of fact, I know uh, one of my good friends, Fred Lamb, um, he he has a it started off as a one product and I know he was doing it since like 2011 2012 so um, and it's it actually became an Inc 5000 company and whatnot but what I can tell you right now is the reason why it did so well and why people are doing so well with one product stores is the fact that it's all about the branding it's all about the colors the logo and the fact that you know Fred's water store sells Fred's water it's all about branding. It's like it's kind of just the same typical thing with Apple products and the prestige. And you know, um, going to a Microsoft store, you're gonna be expecting a way better computer than a Google Chromebook, right? So it's kind of all going right back to branding. If you think about it, like Blendjet or High Smile versus Snow Teeth Whitening, you know, Blendjet owns the category of portable blenders for fitness enthusiasts. They own that category. As a matter of fact, I would even go as far as saying they own the category of portable blenders because they were the first to market and they marketed it really, really well with Jen Seltzer being the face of the brand. So again, the reason why one product stores are working so well right now isn't because the one products are absolutely incredible. I've seen some garbage one product stores that are doing millions of dollars every single year. As a matter of fact, and again, this one isn't garbage, but this is a product that a lot of people are saying, wait, what? Um, Burrito Blanket, the official burritoblanket.com is doing millions a year in sales. And if you think about it logically, it makes sense, right? Why is because it's very easy to target. Think about it. If there's a new show, like let's say Game of Thrones is releasing, you can run an ad with the burrito blanket, 30 seconds. It's, you know, you can say, hey, look, enjoy the new Game of Thrones season wrapped up like a burrito. And everybody has those jokes, right? We, we've all said or have heard a burrito joke like a blanket, you know, wrap me up like a burrito in a blanket. I used to, my ex-girlfriend used to say that all the time. Um, and, and that's actually why I don't have a burrito blanket because it reminds me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, gosh, I hope my current girlfriend doesn't listen to this because that would be really weird. Uh, but yeah, so needless to say, the burrito blanket owns the category of ownership of burrito blankets. When your domain name is official burrito blanket, you own that, you own that category. And the argument can be made, well, okay, somebody can just go buy a burrito blanket on Amazon. Well, you're right, they can. But it's not from the official burrito blanket that only sells burrito blankets. So they own the category in the user's mind, and because they say official burrito blanket, they're quote-unquote official. 
And it's all psychological, as a matter of fact. I want that to be very known. It's not like they're doing something that's far superior than anybody else or anything that you can't do. It's just simple, hey, this product, yeah, this is like our product now, wink, wink, nudge, nudge type of deal. They just slapped their logo on it and said, hey, this is mine now. So think about it like a bodybuilding.com shaker bottle, right? You can you can buy it for like 15 bucks. But what makes it different from a $2 shaker bottle? Nothing. It's just bodybuilding.com has their logo, their name on that shaker bottle. So that's that's literally the same exact thing. It's white labeling at its finest and now it's quote unquote a brand. But to be fair, a lot of people think that just because they have a product with their logo on it, that they automatically have a brand. And there's a lot more that goes into brand and branding that, than, than what meets the eye. Just having a single product store isn't necessarily you having a massive, massive brand, because if that were the case, there would be a lot of brands in this world. And there are, but not everybody has um, a massive brand and not everybody who starts a one product store ends up becoming super successful, even though it becomes quote unquote a brand. So there's also a big factor into awareness and you know your, your product awareness and making sure the product actually fits a market need. And it's a lot easier to get sales when you own the category or ownership in that particular category of what you're trying to sell in, in the user's mind. So let's talk about number two, what's working now? CBO and lifetime budgets. Now, I think Bogdan listens to this podcast. I hope he listens to this podcast. He was on last podcast. But a lot of people, um, obviously, now that we're in September, CBO is the standard. But a lot of people, before it became the standard, started questioning if CBO was the right way to go. As a matter of fact, you know, um, I used to always think that the way Facebook had their ads was a little flawed because it always made sense to me to run it like a CBO. And however, they 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 made it a lot easier. I never really could wrap my head around, okay, well, where does my budget go if I just want one set budget? But I remember a long time ago, um, I'd say probably like four years ago, I thought to myself, wow, it would be a lot easier if I can just tell Facebook that this is the one budget that I want and this is all I want to spend and that's it, rather than pausing and stopping ads as I needed to go. But CBOs right now at a lifetime budget, in my opinion, is phenomenal. It's, it's pretty much what everybody needs to be going with. Now, on the contrary, people are saying, well, what do you mean we need to be going with lifetime budgets rather than daily budgets? Then why can't I scale up with daily? Well, you can. However, and everybody I tell this to always hits home runs when they're doing this strategy. And and I think Bogdan is the one who followed that and he made like 134K. But um, the strategy is simple. Run CBOs at a lifetime. Now, <laughs> that's so vague, actually. I, I'm sorry. When, when I say that, I'll go ahead and set $500 for 48 hours. Now, again, on the ad set level, I set the stop and start date. Now, I don't set a budget as to how much I spend on those ad sets. I just set a stop and start date for it to be 48 hours. And typically what I'll do is I'll have a maximum of five ad sets in one single campaign, and that's if I'm spending $500 to $1,000. I'll have five in one particular campaign, because I feel as if spreading um, across, like, let's just say you use the max of 71 ad sets, right? Use the max of 71 ad sets that you can have in one single campaign. I feel as if you're spreading yourself too thin. The more you have, um, the less budget allocation gets put to every single ad set, meaning that you don't necessarily 
uh, have a fair playing ground. However, let's just theoretically say and hypothetically say you're spending $500 over the course of 48 hours on five different ad sets. That's a potential $100 allocated. Obviously, it's not 100 on each one because it's a CBO, but it could potentially be $100 allocated to each and every one. It'll never happen that way. The first two will be knocked off uh, probably with like $20, $30 ad spend, and then you'll get your best performers, your best performing ad sets, the top one and two, and then you can break those off into their own lifetime. Now, the reason why lifetime is good, let me let me tell you why lifetime is good, is, and I wanna make this very clear, this is hypothetical, this is, I've read so many articles, I've seen so many you know different Facebook posts, I've talked to a lot of quote unquote social media experts, and the same thing that I keep getting is that um, lifetime campaigns, setting a maximum amount for the campaign lifespan, having a start and end date for it, right? It basically tells Facebook, hey, look, this person is only gonna be spending $1,000 and they want purchases. So we wanna get him as many purchases for the amount of money that he's giving to us as we humanly possibly can. So let's go ahead and find him the best possible audience as fast as we possibly can and get him results immediately. Right? Because again, with a daily budget, and you have to think about this hypothetically, with a daily budget, they kind of have this, you know, um, this start date, obviously, but they don't have an end date for it. So that means that you're kind of very loosey-goosey with your, um, with your budget, if you will. But if you have a set start and a set stop date, Facebook really does everything they possibly can to ensure you have the maximum amount of conversions because essentially you're putting their backs against the wall here. So, and it's in their best interest that you make money. So again, this is this is how I think about it hypothetically as well. Um, and I bet you other people can explain it way better than me, but the way my mind processes it is that Facebook will gladly go out there and give you the best possible, most possible conversions at the best possible price when you set a start and end date on a lifetime. However, and you're gonna notice this, I'm telling you right now, follow this, test my theory out, and if it works, shoot me a DM, tell me on Instagram, whatever it is, just leave a comment somewhere that I'll see, and tell me that it worked. And then I guarantee you, you take that same exact lifetime campaign and you duplicate it twice. Duplicate into another lifetime and increase the budget for lifetime, because that's gonna be the winner. And then if you run it up against a daily budget CBO, the daily budget will underperform greatly, if not either break even or lose money. And again, the way daily budgets and lifetime budgets are set up are two completely different things. Now you're probably saying, well, Dan, how do I scale up automatically? Well, you're gonna have to constantly keep duplicating your lifetime. And personally, like I've said, I've seen the best results when it comes to lifetime budgets. Um, But on the contrary, I'm not very... Um, I'm not a big advocate of the of the daily. Um, I never have been since CBO came out and I started testing it. Um, I, I love, love, love my lifetime campaigns. So that's just you know something for you to munch on. I'm not saying my way is the best way, my way is the number one correct way. You're gonna make money every single time. I'm not saying that whatsoever. I'm just saying this is what I've noticed. You can test it. You don't need to spend you know, 10 years worth of savings to test it. Start off with like 150, 200 bucks and see if you can have, you know, great results with five different ad sets in a lifetime campaign. But again, that's what's working now. And that one specifically is what's working now for me. And that was number two. Let's move on to number three. What's up, Ecom Dudes Nation? Okay, listen up really closely before I continue. I just want to let you know that TriFunnels 
the literal best drag and drop funnel builder for Shopify that natively integrates into your Shopify store, what we're doing is we're having a sale and typically it's $49 a month, but for the next seven days only, it's $197 for life. So I just wanna quickly throw this in here as a quick little advertisement, a quick little plug, and let you know that if you're interested in getting your hands on TriFunnels and three exclusive bonuses, three training bonuses, we're doing live trainings with this as well, then I suggest going to trifunnels.com right now and maybe you're listening to this sometime in the future when the offer is not available anymore, I'm sorry. But again, I hope you keep in the loop. But for those of you that are listening to this and have the ability to get in at 197 lifetime, that's not annual, that's not monthly. You get one time single payment access of $197. You can wait after you can pay the $49 a month. Hey, I'm cool with that too. So again, I just wanna quickly throw that in there and give you a heads up because I feel feel like it's uh, you know fair between us that I let you know that. So again, if you wanna go ahead and get access to TriFunnels for a single payment, lifetime payment, it's 197 bucks, go to trifunnels.com. Let's get back to the program. The next one is an interesting topic. We're gonna be talking about, well, number three, what's working now. It's not necessarily what's working, but rather what isn't working. And we're gonna talk about saturation and it's coming. Dropshipping saturation is slowly becoming a thing. It's happening, we are in that era. And unfortunately, the reason why this is happening is because a lot of you know, people think that Shopify and dropshipping is a quick way to make millions of dollars online. You know, honestly, I wish it was. I wish it was quick because I would be where I am in half the time, if not, you know, faster. But again, saturation is coming. And what you need to be aware about is that brand building and longer term customer retention is going to be the winner. So for those of you that are focusing on customer retention and more so um, kind of nurturing the customers that you're acquiring, you're playing the long-term game. And I'm happy for you because that means that you're gonna win in the long-term as well. So what should you do immediately in order to go out there and focus on making the most amount of money possible right now in long-term? Well, right now is obviously focus on front-end, but also make sure you're back-end with sequences and retargeting and new product lines and new additions to certain products keep coming out. So think about it as like attachments, right? And the best way I can tell, uh, tell you about it is think about Pokemon cards or Yu-Gi-Oh cards or Magic the Gathering. There's always extension packs. There's always you know new, new Pokemon, new Yu-Gi-Oh cards that are coming out, different characters, different abilities, and people always want those. So think about it in another term. Let's just say you buy, um, you buy a backpack, right? If you're selling the backpack, you can perhaps add a water bottle extension in two months from now that attaches somewhere on the backpack. You can add a portable charger that fits right into the backpack that's supposed to be on the backpack four months from now. And you'll constantly keep having new sales and have the same customers come back and purchase from you again if they've had a excellent purchasing experience from the start. So what I will tell you is that if you're not focusing on the long term as well, you're gonna be losing the, you're gonna be losing both sides of the game. You're gonna be losing the immediate side and you're also gonna be losing the long term because again, the customers that you're acquiring right now, a lot of people, they don't focus on the customers that they acquire right now. They want the one and done business model. And that's unfortunately not business. So there are three realms that you can play in. You can play on the pre-purchase, which is basically going out there and building awareness. And then you can also go out there and build on during purchase and then after purchase. So there's a lot of, many different companies focus on a lot of different things. Think about Nike, right? Nike focuses on the pre-purchase. So before you purchase, the awareness aspect. The purchase side, uh, a company like um, Amazon is is very, very good at, well, Amazon wins in both categories. 
of post-purchase and during purchase. So during purchase, they're able to maximize as much money as they make as well, and also able to offer you a great purchasing experience and make you feel really, really good. And post-purchase, you know who wins? What company wins this? It's it's Apple. Apple wins the post-purchase because not only, yes, they have a lot of awareness as well, but during purchase, you love to be in their stores. You love to touch all the electronics that they're releasing. You like to be a part of the new releases. And then after you purchase, they follow up. They'll give you a call. Well, at least they gave me a call. They'll send me emails and they'll update my software. They'll do a lot of different things for me, which keeps me going back to Apple. It keeps me a happy customer. So again, that's kind of what I wanna let you know is you have to really either focus on one or two quadrants. So post-purchase, excuse me, pre-purchase, purchase and post-purchase. Those are the three quadrants that you can play in and what a lot of companies and big companies play in as well. Keep that in mind. So now we dive into number four. And what's working now, number four is funnels. And why funnels? Well, funnels have been working for a long period of time. Don't just think click funnels and info products is the only way that funnels are possibly working. No, my friend. Funnels have been working for a very, very long time, for many, many years now, not just the most relevant years of click funnels. So what I will tell you is for those that are utilizing funnels, you already know that you're making a lot of money, obviously. But for those not utilizing funnels, unfortunately for you, I don't really know how to explain it through, through voice, what funnels can actually do for you. So I'm gonna give it my best shot. So funnels, there's two different abilities. There's post-purchase and there's pre-purchase. I like pre-purchase, okay, because why? Because it doesn't leave a bad taste in the customer's mouth. Here's the thing with post-purchase that not a lot of people understand. So post-purchase happens after the purchase, pre-purchase happens before they whip out their credit card. So post-purchase, if you offer them more products as a one-click upsell after, Yes, some people will take it up on the take you up on the offer, but majority of them will say, "Well, why didn't you offer this to me beforehand?" Now, pre-purchase is the other way around. It's, "Okay, thank you for offering this to me, but no thank you." Now, essentially, you're going to you're going to breed your customers to think a certain way and act a certain way, and again, if you do this incorrectly, your customers won't purchase from you again and they're gonna be expecting that there's more to purchase. You'll get emails saying, what else do I need to buy with this for it to work? And that's the last thing that you, that is like literally the last thing that you want to happen is customers emailing you saying, oh, what else do I need to get in order for this to work? So that's why I use, and again, I use it because I own it, but TriFunnels is, is pre-purchase. Um, so it'll show them the product, they'll show them the main product, and what I do typically now is just do, um, I do warranties. So the warranty might be like 15 bucks. It, it depends on the price of the product. If I'm selling the main product for like $80, I'll sell the, I'll sell the warranty for like 22, 25 bucks. Um, sometimes I might even sell it for like 15, $16. And the percentage of people that claim the warranties are so minuscule and the amount of people that actually purchase the warranties are through the roof. And warranty is the best. And again, it has to make sense to offer a warranty. Don't sell a box of pencils and then ask for, you know, if you want a warranty. And if the product is like eight, $9, People aren't going to buy a warranty for that. But if the product is, you know, $50, $60, $70 or more, if it's like four or $500, that's even better. But the higher ticket, the easier it is to sell and the higher of a sell it will be for the warranty. But a warranty is a great way to make a lot of extra money. And then the other upsell that I will go ahead and interchange it with is faster shipping, expedited shipping. And essentially what I do is I just add them to the front of the order queue. Well, I ask my supplier to add them to the front of the order queue. And that just adds an extra increased amount of AOV and revenue to my bottom line, which again will directly have an impact on my profit. So funnels are huge. I'm not a big advocate on post as of right now. 
Have I used Post? Yes, but I also know that it curates and builds a customer base that just complains and complains and complains and will email you and say, hey, what else do I need to buy with this? Is this the only thing? You're gonna try to sell us more? And people just don't like it. But on the contrary, people also don't like pre-purchase sometimes. So it's kind of a catch-22. So again, I definitely suggest having some sort of funnel that you're running and learn more about funnels because it's so important and so profitable. So let's talk about what's working now, number five, LTV. Okay, we kind of discussed this already when it came to CBO and lifetime budgets, but lifetime value of a customer. Now, the lifetime value of a customer, knowing your numbers is so freaking important. Now, why? Because again, you're gonna be playing the long-term game. So because you're playing the long-term game, you need to know what each and every customer is worth to you in the long run, not just the moment they purchase. And a lot of people get this wrong. A lot of people don't know how to track this. There's a lot of applications that will show you your LTV, but most importantly, apps like Clavio and MailFunnels and SendLane, they're the ones that'll really track your LTV because they track it through the customer. And if somebody purchases on your store and their email is mark123 at gmail.com, and then Mark, again, purchases two months from now, it'll link up with Shopify and then it'll link up with your um, email provider, email autoresponder provider, and then your email autoresponder provider should show you the LTV. Hey, mark123 at gmail.com has spent $88.76 with your company in the last three months. And if you do it over the course of a year, two years, five years, that's what they're worth for a lifetime. And here's the thing why lifetime is important. Think about this, ready? If you know mark123 at gmail.com, so we're gonna call him Mark, right? Mark comes to your website and purchases a $30 product, but in three months, he spent a total of $100, but it costs you $40 to acquire Mark. Do you lose money, right? Do you actually lose money? Think about that logically. Yes, you lost money on the immediate purchase. That's way too much to spend. Damn, I'm overspending. I'm never gonna make money. I'm in the red. Well, you waited 90 days and then you made $100. So you actually spent $40 to make $100, but it just took you 90 days to make it, right? So LTV is so important because it allows you to outspend your competition, which is so, so powerful when you know your numbers. That's why people preach, know your numbers, know your data, know your numbers, know your data. Because of that one single fact, if you don't know your data and don't know your numbers, you'll never be able to outspend your competition. And guess what? Your competition will know their numbers, will know their data, and they will outspend you. So you won't be able to catch up. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and make sure you subscribe to, well, wherever you're listening to the podcast, whether it's Apple Music, if you are listening to it, well, Apple Podcasts, or you're listening to it on Anchor or Spotify, can you please just do me a huge favor? Can you please, please, please give me a review? And uh, hopefully it's a good one. And leave a comment as well. I'm actually gonna be doing a giveaway, but I'm not gonna tell you what the giveaway is just yet. In the next few podcasts that I'm gonna be running, we're gonna be doing some giveaways and perhaps even mentorship for those people um, that are, I'm gonna pick somebody randomly. But for now, if you can, just please give me a five-star review that would help me out tremendously. I'm actually gonna try to rank this podcast really fast, really high, and see what I can do with it. So if you enjoyed this, please subscribe. Let me know what you think. And again, I hope you enjoyed the bite-sized snippets or snacks, I guess we can call it. And uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. Catch ya.